0: Father in heaven, we come before you now in the name of your Son Jesus. Just stilled before you. If just for a moment, Lord, just still before you. Just to quiet our hearts. Just to quiet our minds. Just to quiet the noise. Just to even slow down our bodies, Lord, just to be still in your presence. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Just be still and know that I am God. It could hardly be any more clear, could it? That if we want to experience God, to really know God, We have to learn how to practice a thing called stillness. Be still and know that I am God. It's a promise that if you be still, then you'll know God. You'll know His voice, you'll know His touch. If you'll be still, if you, as an act of your own will, will practice this thing called stillness. The Bible says he will meet you there. You will know that he's God. Trouble is, is we live in a world of ceaseless activity and constant noise, don't we? It just never really stops, does it? We get short periods of of rest between turmoil and chaos, and our culture is just filled with activity and noise. And then into this, the Word of God comes cutting into our world today and says, if you want to know me, you're going to have to be still. Be still. And then you'll know that I'm God. We fill our lives with so much activity and crowd our heads with so much noise that making any attempt to be still somehow seems irresponsible, doesn't it? It's like we're wasting time or we're not being team players. If We just want to stop and take God at his word. Stop, just be still. And know that I am God. Be still. The original language that this psalm was written in has a fantastic connotation. And it's, it's to cease striving. To stop working at it. To cease striving. That our lives by nature are filled with strife. We carry that into our relationship with God. And God says, that's not what I want. Another way to interpret those original words is is simply with the words, relax. Relax. And then you'll know that he's God. Be still and know that I'm, I'm God. This stillness thing is something that you can actually do. If you want to see it, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 46. As we continue through the uh, soul care series of messages that Pastor Rob and I have planned for you this summer, last week we talked about simplicity and how if we want to take care of our souls, if we want to encounter God, we have to commit ourselves to clearing out the clutter, to not buying into the lie of this world that more is better, and to simplify it. Well, today we want to continue that with something you can actually do, you can do today. And it's, it's something called stillness, if you want to encounter God. Psalm 46 was written, this verse 10 in Psalm 46 is written in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil. Listen, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. That doesn't sound good, does it? That's turmoil. That's chaos. That's things that are supposed to stand are falling down. And then he says, by contrast, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That there's an alternative To being controlled by chaos, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Here we go back to the chaos. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 8. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. And into this chaos, then, he inserts this next verse. So be still. And then you'll know that I'm God. Because in the chaos, in the turmoil, we lose sight of the fact that God is God, Right? So be still, he says, and know that I'm God. The practice of this thing called stillness, I couldn't overstate how important it is for the care of your soul, for the care of your, your eternal self. The intentional practice of something called stillness. Let's let's do three questions. The first question is what is stillness? Stillness is the intentional practice of quieting ourselves before the Lord. It's an intentional thing. So, in Psalm 46, in all this chaos which kind of resembles life, is this call, be still and know that I am God. So that inside of us is the capacity to respond to that command, that you have the capacity to intentionally quiet yourself before the Lord. You you have the capacity by design to step out of the turmoil, step out of the chaos, in an act of your will, and say, I'm going to quiet myself before the Lord. In the midst of the chaos, you can do that, intentionally responding to the command, be still, and know that I'm God. It takes an act of your will to do that, doesn't it? Because in the chaos, in the turmoil, it's so natural for us just to get swept up into it. We wake up the next morning, and it's same stuff, different day, right? And we're still swept up in it. And what stillness is, is making a decision that's going, I'm going to step out of that. I'm going to, as an act of my will, I'm going to step out of that and respond to this, be still, and know that I'm God. Stillness is the simultaneous practice of solitude and silence. So simultaneous means, obviously, we do them together. So it's the simultaneous practice of solitude and silence. Solitude meaning we get away from people. We remove ourselves from people. That's what solitude is. To remove ourselves from the company of people. It is virtually impossible to practice stillness deeply in the company of other people. So, first of all, stillness requires us to practice solitude. To say, at that time, I'm going to get away from everybody. I'm going to remove myself from the company of people. In Mark chapter 1, verses 35 and 36, one of my favorite verses, it says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. Jesus, you remember Jesus? Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. So he practiced solitude. If you read what's up in front of that a little bit in that Mark chapter 1, you'll see that Jesus had just been healing everybody in town. And so while he practiced solitude, if you keep reading, it says that his disciples came after him and said, Lord, we got people waiting. Come back. You know what he said? He says, no, I'm not going back. I'm I'm not going back there. So, He left sick people that he could have healed, he left them to practice this thing called solitude. Well, in addition to solitude, then, stillness requires silence. A silence of our own lips. Stop talking. And the silence of other people's words. Stillness is not going somewhere by yourself and plugging in your favorite worship songs. That's not stillness. That's a good thing. That's worship. But that's not stillness. Stillness is the simultaneous practice of solitude and silence. Shutting it all off. That's what it is. Second question is, well, what does stillness do? Well, stillness does at least four things that I can think about. Stillness first gives us space for the peace of God to control us. Stillness, intentionally being still before God, simultaneous practice of solitude and silence before God, gives space for something to happen, to control us. And that's the peace of God to come on us. We are not normally controlled by the peace of God. We are normally controlled by the chaos of the world, right? Constantly calling us more, more, more. You can do better than that. Constantly evaluating us. But the Bible says in Isaiah twenty-six three. I like the way the King James says it. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth, trusteth in thee. So the practice of of stillness is coming before the Lord, and and. And trusting in God, fixing our minds on the Lord and completely trusting him. If we go again back to the original verse, be still, cease striving, it means to let your hands hang limp. Stop trying to fix that. Any fixers in the room? No? Fixers. It's like, I got that, right? I can fix that. I can do that. I should be able to do that. I'm a capable person, Right? And that's the human nature. But Bible nature says, "Come to the Lord and let your hands hang limp. Trust Him. Trust Him in the midst of the storm. The peace of God, when we practice stillness, the peace of God can control us. How many of you have ever feel like you've experienced the peace of God at some point in your life? How many of you experienced that during a time where by logic you should have been frantic, right? That's what I'm talking about. The peace of God. Just to overcome you. Stillness also gives our spiritual selves opportunity to breathe. You have a spiritual self living inside, right? The Bible says the image of God is inside of you as broken, it was broken by sin, but then you came to Christ and by the redemptive work of Christ on the cross, it was restored, it was made alive again. You got a, like a spirit man, a spirit person living inside of you, right? Demanding, calling, living and we still have our physical selves, and we try to give ourselves breath to live, right? Well, well, stillness gives our spirit man opportunity to breathe, to live, to be. In stillness, when we breathe this way, we become... We become aware of something that it's so easy to lose sight of. We become aware of the presence of God inside of us. It's like, oh, you were here, weren't you? I mean, how many of you, you, you tend to lose track of God's presence, his nearness, because of the chaos, the turmoil, right? It doesn't seem like he's near. Well, what's the answer? Psalm 46 says, In the, when the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea, when it doesn't seem like I'm near, do what? Go shovel mountains? No. Be still. Be still. See striving. And then you'll know that he's God. You'll become aware of his presence. It just gives your spirit a chance to breathe. And John chapter 14 was that great passage where Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. We love that, don't we? And then it goes on and... and uh, there's a conversation between Jesus and some of the disciples. Well, in, in verse eight, the disciple Philip says to Jesus, says, Lord, we're trying to buy into what you're saying, but if you just show us the Father, that will be enough for us. Jesus goes, Oive. Oi Ves. Rubs his forehead, maybe. Jesus says, If you've seen me. You've seen the Father. You want me to to show you this big thing? You want me to just sort of like, whoop, look, quick. And then you say, that will be enough for you. The big moment. He said, I'm right here. I and the Father are one. I'm right here. (laughs) We look for the big moment, don't we? The big thing. I love the big thing, too. I love it when God comes and does stuff that I didn't see coming. I love it when we completely lose control. I love it. I'll just admit it, but I don't try to make it happen. I'm not one of those guys. But when it happens, it's like, help yourself, Lord. They're all yours. I've done everything I can with them. (laughs) You take them. I love that. I really do. But it's not really about the big experiential moment As much as it is, is developing a disciplined life of approaching the Lord, one of these ways is in stillness so that we can become aware of his presence that is in us all of the time and live from that place. Oswald Chambers said it this way, We look for God to exhibit himself to his children when God only exhibits himself in his children. Stillness number three gives our spiritual ears opportunity to hear the Holy Spirit. God wants to speak to us. Has anybody been reading this? John ten twenty seven. Jesus talking about being the shepherd and we're the sheep. And he says, my sheep know my voice. He says, I know them and they follow me. My sheep know my voice. They know what I sound like. Are you his sheep? Are you one of his sheep? Give me a come on. There you go. You're one of his sheep. That's a pretty good flock, actually. (laughs) Well, the Bible says that as one of his sheep, you know his voice. He's speaking to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. There's a dynamic relationship with God where he actually wants to reveal stuff to us. How do we hear that voice? We hear that voice by practicing a thing called stillness, by getting still before the Lord. Stillness also replenishes our spiritual power. Stillness it fills the tank up just by not doing anything, just by intentionally becoming useless did you ever try to fill your car up while it was moving? I mean, this makes sense. Don't we completely stop our cars before we gas them up? Turn them off, right? Shut them down. All the way down. Stillness says, uh, fill me back up again. I was so tired on Thursday. I don't know what happened, but I just didn't plan my week very well. I wore myself out by Thursday. I was kind of bouncing around here doing my message and stuff like that. And one thing was going on after another. And I just finally got so physically tired, I said to some of the staff, I said, I'm going out to the hiding place. I let them think I was going out to pray, but I thought maybe I could catch it now. I was pretty sure if I tried that in my office, they might hear me snoring or something through the door. So I'm going out to hide. By the way, if you don't know hiding place, just let that little white building out there in the field. We just built that, that place for people to go to pray. So I say I'm going out to the hiding place. You know. And so I go out there, and I sat down in that chair out there, and I thought, I'm going to be like 10 seconds in this chair, and I'm going to be out, right? Well, I was about 10 seconds in that chair, and something happened. I just got st- and I and I said, Lord, I just want to get still before you, like so still that if I could get about a half hour's sleep, we could keep going, right? <laughs> and and I just said, I want to get still before you. Something happened. The Holy Spirit came on me, sitting right there in that chair in that little house. And in thirty seconds, I was back up. In twenty minutes after worshiping the Lord, I'm back outside of the hiding place, and we took on the rest of the day. It was a it was a refilling of the Holy Spirit by doing what? By getting still before him. And stillness will replenish your spiritual power. How do I practice stillness? I'm gonna give you some help here, how you do this. I'm gonna need some help handing some stuff out. I like high school. High school students to come up and help me. Don't make me call you Ethan and Brandon and Raul and don't make me call your names, Ethan. I already called your name, so you gotta go. Okay, you gotta come. Hey, Dylan, humor us. We know you're graduated. You're going off to play football in college. Yeah, this guy's kind of cool, guy. Okay, watch his hands. He's so good. What? How about that? Here, hand these, hand these out, guys. Just split them up. Make sure everybody gets one. Okay, great. Thanks. Go. Yeah, everybody gets one. Every, every human in the room. Okay. Good. What? You can always have a Tom hug, Dylan. Yeah, you don't have a jewel in your crown in heaven. Just pass the things out, would you? I'm giving you something here, you can take home. You can st- it's it's low, it's low production. I'll give you that, you know. But you can stick this in your pocket. You can stick it in your Bible. What it is is just going to give you seven steps to practice stillness. The reason I want everybody to have one is because every single one of you can do this. Every single one of you can do this. No matter where you are on your journey with Jesus, every single one of you can do this. You know how sometimes you're hearing a teaching and you go, well, maybe someday I can like, work up to that. That's not what this is. Stillness is something that you can practice this afternoon and anybody can do it. I have seven steps for you to practice stillness. Number one, block out a period of time. Just say, during that time, I am going to intentionally respond to God's call to be still and know that He's God. Uh, So you block out a period of time. How long, you ask. If you're just getting started, try 20 minutes. I'm so serious. Your capacity to do this will stretch into hours if you keep practicing it and it's an amazing reality. But just start small and say, I'm going I'm to devote 20 or 30 minutes to that period of time. I'm going to go see if the tall, bald guy is right. Okay? I'm going to try this thing called, called stillness. Uh, number two, abandon your phone. Okay? Get disconnected. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Satan, right here. This is the devil, right here, all right? Now, if you want to practice stillness, you have to practice solitude, right? Solitude doesn't just mean be being out of company of people. It means being out of reach from people, there's a terrible thing happening in our culture, this, this addiction to connectivity that we have, right? I get it. I understand it. This thing in and of itself is not bad. But Satan is using this to give you something that only God can give you, and that's connection. That's relationship. You do not have over 1,000 Facebook friends, all right? You do, they are not your friends, as evidenced by the way you talk to each other on the thing called what I would never say to your Facebook, right? (laughs) This is the devil. When I go to practice solitude, I not only turn it off, I don't even take it with me to avoid the temptation of turning it back on. That's going to be hard for some of you, isn't it? I get that. I actually respect that. I know what's happened. But if you want to practice solitude, you've got to get disconnected. Number three, go somewhere. Go somewhere. Leave the place that you are. You will not enjoy the fullness of solitude at home. Because there's dust on the mantle, right? There's there's something there. There's the tractor in the barn that needs the points changed. There's something there. There is something there that is calling for your attention. And you've got to get to a different space where that thing isn't there. The metro parks are fantastic for this. Just go somewhere else. Number four, slow your roll. Thanks, guys. You can keep the rest. Sell them on the internet or something. (laughs) Thank you very much, guys. Slow your roll. If you want to experience stillness, the best thing that you can do is stop. But stopping is really hard, isn't it? (laughs) Stopping can be distracting, right? Trying to stay completely still in one spot. Then slow down. Slow down. When you go out to the park to do this, don't. it doesn't matter which trail you're on. It doesn't matter how many miles you go, Tom. Anderson. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't matter what you accomplish. You have to remove yourself from that and just slow, go as slowly as you can go without being distracted by how slow you're going, okay? Does that make sense? Slow your roll. Pray this simple prayer, number five. Just tell God you're open. Just say, Lord, I'm here. Don't pray for Aunt Tilly. Don't pray for the country. Don't pray for all those things that are so important to pray for at other times. If you want to practice stillness, you've got to practice silence, even mental silence. Don't even think the prayers. Try not to talk. And Number six, you've got to play a little mental video game. You've got to destroy invasive thoughts because the devil's coming because he's terrified of believers who listen to God. And so he wants to interrupt that and he will send invasive thoughts. I play a video game in my head. I think it's called Galaga. Remember Galaga? Remember? You got to you got to destroy them. You've got to play Thought Invaders. You've got to you've got to just you've got to destroy them. You've just got to keep pushing them out. Another technique that I use when I'm trying to get into a place of stillness is I imagine a chalkboard and anytime a thought comes on one swipe of the eraser and it's gone. But you this this will this may require more practice than any other part of this for you is just to quiet 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 your mind. And then the the big thing you want to do is just notice. Just look externally. What's, what's going on around me? You'll, you get these eyes that see things from God around you, that He'll speak to you. Through nature, He'll speak to you. The Bible says in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament proclaimeth the work of His hands. He'll speak to you. He'll appoint a butterfly in February. The coolest things have happened. Notice, just notice. Don't write it down. Don't start a conversation about it. Just notice it. Just enjoy it. And then notice what starts to happen on the inside the warmth of the father's love <laughs> the security of eternal life the knowledge of sins forgiven just this incredible internal experience is waiting for us just notice it you can journal it later if you're a journaler don't don't ruin it by talking about it just be still And in this experience, you can know that he's God. That's the promise of Scripture. It could hardly be more clear, right? Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall do what? They'll renew their strength, they'll mount up with wings as eagles. You want that? You want to encounter God? What's the requirement? They that what? Wait. Wait. wait they that stop and the Lord will renew their strength they that don't, won't First Kings chapter 19 remember when Elijah's run he just conquered the prophets of Baal he's exhausted, he goes in a cave and he needs to hear from the Lord and it says he went out he saw, he saw some things coming, he saw an earthquake right? He saw mighty wind and he saw fire. But God wasn't in those things. He wasn't in earth, wind, and fire. How could I not go there? But what does that scripture say God was in? The still, small voice. Or the NIV says a gentle whisper. You see, that's where, that's where we find God is in the stillness before him. It's not in louder, it's in softer. Why do we resist this stillness? I think we resist this stillness because we, as productive American Christians, we equate stillness with wasting time. We, we equate stillness, I should be doing something, Right? And the devil will come in and tell you all kinds of things that you should be doing and how selfish you're being by being still before the Lord. I think we resist it because we equate solitude with being alone and we're afraid to be alone. Somebody figured out that we're willing to pay a lot of money to avoid being alone with ourselves, right? But solitude isn't being alone. Solitude is being away from all you all and with God. <laughs> Solitude isn't being alone. Solitude is being with God. I think we resist stillness because in, in silence we lose control of the situation. We try to control situations by talking, right? And talking over it. Well, in silence we have no control. Fantastic. Guess who gets to drive, finally? It's God. I think we resist silence because in silence, we can no longer justify ourselves. I mean, how many of you have felt you've been a little bit misinterpreted and you just tried to talk and straighten it all out and justify yourself, blah, blah, blah. Yeah? That's an endless. And when we, when we go silent before God, we have no excuses We can't justify ourselves. In Isaiah chapter 30, the Bible says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. Quietness and trust is your strength. But then he said, but you would have none of it. God was inviting them to come and be still before him, and they would have salvation, they would have strength, they would have power. And if you read on it, it says, after, but you would have none of it, it said, you said, no, we will flee on horses. We got this. Therefore, you will flee. We said, we will ride on swift horses. We can fix this. Therefore, it says, your pursuers will be swift. You can't outrun them. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. It says, yet the Lord, next verse, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. It's in the discipline of stillness that you will become suddenly aware of his presence. A presence that was there all along. It is, it's food for your soul. So as we just get ready to close up, I just want to ask, ask you to ask yourself the question, how's your soul doing? How are you doing? How's your soul doing? Are you well? Are you taking care of your soul? Are you doing the things that bring health to your soul? Where are you in all of this? Soul care. Some of you would answer, I'm doing great. I'm just really walking strong with the Lord, and it's great. And I say, God bless you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited for you. And I just promise you that if you will, in addition to whatever you're doing for a prosperous walk with the Lord, would add stillness, it will skyrocket you. Some of you are saying maybe, I'm not as good as I used to be. I, I, I used to be more passionate. I mean, I'm showing up, I'm kind of doing this stuff, but it's not fire anymore. Well, I want to invite you to practice stillness to do those seven things on that card. Practice it once. Don't evaluate yourself. Practice it again. Practice it again. Practice it again. See what happens. The Bible promises you that if you're still, you'll know that He's God again. And some of you are maybe saying, you know, I would like to experience these things that you guys are talking about, but I haven't haven't come to the Lord yet. I haven't Cross that line, but I'm I'm feeling like today would be a day that I could enter into relationship with the Lord. Today would be a day that I could ask Jesus Christ to come into my life, that I could have my sins forgiven, that I could have my name written in the Lamb's book of life, that I could begin this journey with the Lord that you're talking about. And some of you are maybe there and you're saying, I'm not in, but I'm ready to come in. And if that's you, here's the prayer that I would pray. I would pray a prayer that went like this. I would would pray, God, forgive me of my sins. I ask God that right now, right here in this place, that your son, Jesus Christ, would come into my life to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I would pray, Lord, I I have a feeling I'm going to need a lot of help in walking this out. I have things in my life that I'm pretty sure aren't part of what you want from me, and I'm going to need your help getting rid of them. And so right now in this place, I want to ask your son, Jesus Christ, to come in and save me and be my Savior. And I want to surrender my life to him, that he would be my Lord. Lord. I pray this, thanking you that you have saved me, Lord, because you promised to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're a person today who just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something. In just a minute, we're going to start singing. And Pastor Rob, would you come on up here and stand up here by these doors over here. And Pastor Rob will be here to, if you'd just like to go up to him and say, I just prayed that prayer. He would love to hear that. He would love to give you a Bible to get you walking in the right direction. He would like to help you st- start your relationship with Jesus. Am I right? And so you can just get up and come over to him and just tell him that. Or maybe you're at a place where you're going, I, I, I have questions about that. I have questions. He's exactly the guy that could help answer those questions and help you understand what it means to follow Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. I'm going to also ask that we have some prayer ministry people come on over here and stand over on this side. So if you'd like prayer for something else, then just come on over to these people who will be happy to pray with you. Okay, let's stand together, church.